What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology, man. It's good to be back. It's good to be sharing the Word of God. How great is it that we get to sit down, speak, talk about, listen to the Word of God, and then see how we can apply it in our lives, man? It is a, a water that, or a well that never runs dry, a water that quenches thirst, man. It is the greatest satiating property. I've been doing a lot of uh, exercising and trying to eat right in this uh, uh, in this time and satiating. That's a new word for me. It's a new word. But yes, God's word is definitely spiritually satiating, man. And so it's good to be able to join in. And uh, we are on Genesis 17, 1 through 8. We are about to uh, get to the great chapter of the changing name, the establishing covenant, and the sign of the covenant. And so, uh, yeah, let's dive on in. If you haven't read it yet, go ahead and check it out, see what it has to say. If you have, man, we're going to jump in. What's it say? What's 17, 1 through 8 say? Well, it says that Abraham was 99. So Abraham's super patient. He is very patient. But what can you do when all the cards are in the hands of God? It's There's nothing that we can do. We found that out. Everything that they have done to try and uh, manipulate the circumstances or achieve the things that God had promised on their own, uh, to create the child or to protect the thing which God said he would do themselves has failed. Uh, Sarah probably um, was in a very difficult situation with Pharaoh. And uh, we see now that uh, Hagar and Sarah have some strenuous anger towards each other for the the twist that Abraham put uh, has been put in or, you know, because Sarah is actually the one that did that. But um, Abraham shouldn't have just taken and eaten just as Adam has. He should have said no and said, I trust in the promises of God. But he didn't. And so all the things that they did to try and create the environment for this promise to be achieved has failed them. It has failed them. So he ain't got no cars in his hand. He got to be patient. And, and uh, it's been 13 years. Ishmael's grown up 13 years, and now uh, this happens. God appears to him again, and he says, walk before me and be blameless. He says, walk before me. That means, like, be one who is a representative of the Lord God. Uh, he says, uh, do all things as you were to be in my presence, in my court, in my um, my my." sphere of influence. He says, that's who you are to be. And then he clarifies it a little bit further. He says, be blameless. Like in order for you to be in front of me, you must walk in this blamelessness. Okay. Now what we think it might be like a condition or a, um, some rule by which he has to do in order to gain this covenant, this promise. But we got to recognize it's not because God has been giving him these promises, confirming these promises, making these covenants. Well, really one covenant, but establishing and reestablishing these covenants with him from years down the line earlier, years ago, chapters ago, as we've been reading. it. So it's not any action. But I do want to say that just because that it is not an action that gave him the promises. It's not an action that caused God to choose him in order to allow these things to happen. A great nation, the land that he's going to get, blessings of the people, people will bless or he will bless him 
and he will uh, uh, um, curse those who curse him. All of those things happen specifically because God chose him and it is not anything that he's required or he's done. But that doesn't negate the fact that there is things that Abraham needs to do. So the chosenness, all of these blessings that come upon him were not because of anything that Abraham did, but because of his blessing, because of his promises, because of the things that God's going to do to him. Now Abraham must walk before him. Now Abraham must live blamelessly. You see, these things come after the fact. And so it's because of the graciousness that God has shown him that these things are to be done, not for the things. Because the reason that they are being done to Abram is because God just simply loves Abram. He just simply loves him. I don't know why, but I don't know why they love me. I don't know why God loves me. But it is simply because he does love us. And that's the beauty of it. So there's no condition that we know he already loves us and you know he already cares for us. And so because we already have that burden lifted, then we can walk out before him. We can live blameless, man. But after he says that, he says, man, I'm going to bless you, man. He says, and I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to establish my covenant with you and to your seed after you. That uh, And the, 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 the best thing about this is that he says that he would be a God to him and to his generations after him. He said he was going to give the land to him and to his generations after him. Then he said, and he's going to establish his covenant with him and to his generations after him for an everlasting covenant. So he wants Abram to remember, man, that this is not just something he's doing finically. It's not something he's doing flippantly. And he's establishing it even further by exclaiming it's an everlasting covenant. Even though I'm telling you to walk before me being blameless, it's everlasting. There's nothing that you can do that will break this covenant. There's nothing that you can do that will cut you off from this covenant. We'll see here in a little bit uh, one stipulation that, that could happen, but you're not in the covenant. And so we'll talk about that when that comes. But there is nothing that you can do because this covenant is everlasting. And so he is just solidifying his faithfulness to Abram in establishing this covenant once more. And so what does this got to say about God then? Well, it talks about how he is the faithful God. That man, he is not going anywhere and he will be our God. He will be our people. We will be his people. But we also see he's almighty God. He comes down and he says he declares his name to Abram. So what he's about to do is, is powerful. And so he goes and he declares his name to Abram that he is almighty God, that he is the omnipotent God, the God with all power. This is the God who he is. He is the one to be able to establish the covenant. He is the one to be able to, to give him a child or a people. Kings will come out of him. That's what it says. Kingdoms will come from him. And then finally, he is the one to be able to grant him this land. There has been some speculation and talk and research about the fact that what Abram was was a, a certain type of merchant and that under the laws that, that he was living in, 
that he wasn't able to be uh, buy land or purchase land. And so it's it's like an even more of a of a plight or a difficulty for him to be able to get this land if he's not supposed to have it by law. And so for him to believe that God was going to give not only him this land, but his his uh, ancestors after him, his 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 progeny after is a, is a huge deal. It's a huge thing. And that he would trust God in that man gives Abram the faith that is a lion. That's a, like a lion, man. And so what does this say about man? I think it says that we should have patience and humility. Well, what's it say after Abraham uh, heard what God was going to do? It says that he bowed in obeisance. He bended over and, and, and gave worship to God. See, he humbled himself and he was patient too. He didn't, you know, it's funny because it's times we see Abram talk back. There's times we see when it's because they have a dynamic and a powerful relationship. But here we see that he is humble and he is still patient as he waits another 13 years before God speaks to him about what is going to happen. And then he placed himself under the rulership of God. You see, in this moment is when Abram's name has been changed. He says, you will no longer call yourself Abram. He says, but you will be called Abraham, for I will give, a, uh, for I will give to you many nations. You will be a father of many nations. And now, I say he placed himself under God's rule because who can change your name? Can't nobody change your name unless you submit to them as the authority. And so Abram submits himself under the authority and the rulership of God. That's why he is El Shaddai, all-powerful. He submits himself under the rulership of God and accepts the name change because a name change is a symbol of his blessing, saying not that he is an exalted father anymore or his father is exalted or, or whatever that Abram might be, but that now he will be a father of many nations. He's walking in what he is to be. He is living in what God has called him to be. So how can we apply these truths to our lives? Well, first off, I think the obvious thing is, are you walking in what it is that God has called you to be? Have you placed yourself under the rulership and the power of the Lord? Because that is the way that things get achieved. That is when the blessings come down. That is when we see God work. Are you living under the rule of what God has called you to be? And finally, be patient in it, man. I know sometimes when we're living in it, it don't seem like we're walking in it. It doesn't seem like things are happening. But it is patient. That is what God has called us to. Oftentimes, man, uh, we I read in, in, in Peter, it talks about, man, it's the patience of God. And that's what leads us to repentance. And so we have to be patient in the things that God is doing and trust him that in the end, it, it is going to work out, that his promises he has made will be fulfilled because he is a faithful God. Hey, I appreciate you guys for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.